0: we're at in Florida every uh, evening, they have services for, for everyone. And, and in the last night of those services, as the, the speaker began to share, I, I couldn't help but listen and wonder where he was headed in that message as he talked about our denominational family tree. Uh, it was kind of, I don't know, I was just kind of thinking about where, where is he going? And, and if I'm honest, I, I think before he ever started, I was kind of judging the message and maybe even the messenger. I don't know what it is that, why we have this propensity to judge others. It's just there, right? Some of you are judging my new glasses from Dr. Yoakum, but it's okay. (laughs) Whatever you think, you can email him, I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, think about it, have you ever sat at your desk and maybe judged a coworker? Have you this morning, even while the music team was playing, maybe you've judged their musicianship or, or maybe the songs that they selected? I can tell you the the message that was shared on that Friday evening as I thought about it, it really, it was incredible. It was a great message, and it was one for the body for sure. And so what I'm so thankful for in those moments is even if that might be some of our human nature that comes out, man, aren't we so glad that the Holy Spirit can come in and just remove those barriers and allow us to have ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say? And I can tell you this morning, man, that is my prayer. As we, as we continue our series on Better Together with a message on Jesus and, and judging others, may we start to lose that propensity we have to judge and just have ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say for our lives. Because here's what I know. If we're judging, we're not listening. It's, it's a barrier. And God doesn't want us to have barriers for what he wants to do in our lives. And so my heart is this morning, is Lord, transform our hearts Allow us to have an attitude, an ear to hear what your spirit is saying. Not just today, but every day, right? May we have ears to hear what the spirit is saying this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning when we wake up. At all times, we need to have that. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. If you're new to Connection Point, we really just say that because I want to somehow ingrain in your hearts and minds a desire to be in God's word every day. Not just today, but every day. So I want you to have God's Word today and every day. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, so I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We simply stand to recognize that I'm reading God's Word to us. Everything else I say, honestly, not as important. But what I read right now, really important. So let's hear what Jesus has to say. Words in red, it means Jesus is speaking. If you want to know what God has to say for your life, this is it. Here's what Jesus says. Judge not... That you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you see, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly they take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you." These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been in a a year-long Better Together series talking about the way that we face crisis is together. The the blessing of the Lord is that he gives us himself but he gives us each other. That's the, the life of a Christian. But the way that we also then reach the world is together, this mission that we get to participate in. And so I was going back, I was looking back, I'm like, you know what, where have we been? So I'm looking back at all these messages and and in the first section of messages, we basically dealt with what was like kingdom foundations. So the first message, Jesus and the good news of the kingdom. Jesus in scripture, Jesus in mission. So these are all foundational. That's why we needed to start from. And then needing to address some current issues during the series, I preached a message. So it was fun to look back at this, you know, because I was kind of somewhat intentional with the the order, but sometimes it was just kind of what fit in the time. And and so I preached on Jesus and politics, and then I looked and realized the next week I preached on Jesus and end times. I don't think I planned it that way, but there was a little bit of humor in that. And if you can't laugh about that this morning, you're taking yourself too seriously. (laughs) And so after those messages, we went into a section on spiritual disciplines with Jesus in serving, Jesus in giving, Jesus in rest, Jesus in prayer, and many others. And then next we went to a section on kingdom perspectives with Jesus in suffering, Jesus in the will of God, Jesus in death, Jesus in healing. And then we've been in this section, it's been a longer one on Jesus in relationships with Jesus and women, Jesus in marriage. Jesus and singleness. And really, those that we've been in have been a part of that. Jesus and mentoring. Jesus in every generation. Jesus in anger. And this is kind of the last of that on relationships with Jesus and judging others. And next week, we're going to get into the last section on this Better Together series before we jump into our, our next series in October. And in this last section, we're going to deal with righteous justice with Jesus and justice and racism and refugees and and these things because what's important is what I found as we were walking through the last couple of years is people did not necessarily have the firm foundation they needed in who we are in the kingdom of God. And if we know that, everything else can make sense. But if we don't know that, everything else seems like chaos. So my prayer is, is if you have questions about who you are in the kingdom of God, go back and start listening to these messages. You can find them online on our podcast. But I want you to have a firm foundation And so now as we wrap up our section on relationships today, Jesus is talking with us about how we interact with others. It's really important how we do that. He's showing us how we can live well with others. He's showing us how we live as authentic followers of Jesus. And here's what he shows us in this passage, that we live as authentic followers of Jesus by displaying grace. We live as authentic followers of Jesus by displaying grace. So the section of scripture that we're in this morning, it comes from what commentators call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, he's speaking to a a large crowd in Galilee in northern Israel, and he's talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a a citizen in the kingdom of God. Uh, You actually heard from the same section of scripture last week when Pastor Michael talked about Jesus and anger from, from Matthew chapter five. Haven't we heard some great messages from our pastors the last few weeks? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, we can clap for that. It was good stuff. Uh, Pastor Zach Rainey on Jesus and mentoring. What a good word. Uh, Pastor Jim with Jesus in every generation. You know what I love about Born Church? We are a church of every generation from babies to advanced in years. And everybody has such an important part in the kingdom of God and what God wants to do through the local church. That's the strength of a local church. Is every generation working together to see God's kingdom advance? And then last week, Pastor Michael on on Jesus and anger. Um, It's just, it was really great. Great to hear and and awesome to see what God continues to do. And, And as we were going through these messages and thinking about Jesus and relationships, that's really what this whole section's been about. Wanting to tie that into what we're dealing with today. From our passage this morning, it seems that the way that we live well in this faith community is by being grace-filled when it comes to examining the lives of other believers. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with a judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own? That last sentence, that's kind of the whole point. The reason we can display grace toward others is because we all fall short. That's really the whole point. But why is it then we have this propensity to sometimes judge others? I would say sometimes it's because we see our own faults in the lives of others. It's actually a cheap way of trying to make ourselves look better than other people. In other words, we sometimes judge to try to make ourselves feel better about the way that we're living our lives... Because deep down, what we know is that we fall short. But here's what we do. We think, well, so long as I'm living better than that guy, right? So long as I'm living better than her, but that's not God's judgment, right? Because those are not the litmus test. I hate to break it to you. Jesus is. So until you start living better than that guy, we're kind of in trouble, right? So the way that we live, and here's what I want to say this morning, as it relates to that point and as we look at other lives, when we do that, we're actually missing the whole gospel. We're missing the point because Jesus knows, this is such an important point this morning, Jesus knows we can't live perfect and he doesn't ask us to, he just asks us to live forgiven. We don't have to, you don't have to be perfect, you just have to live forgiven Are you living that way this morning? Because here's the thing, when we live forgiven, we live with grace toward others who are also not perfect because if they've accepted Jesus, they're just trying to live forgiven too. We're not to judge because we all fall short, every one of us. This principle is stated earlier in the same sermon that Jesus shares, the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. So Jesus continues to back up this point. This is in Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter six, Jesus in teaching us how to pray, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus keeps reinforcing this principle. It seems we don't view ourselves rightly, so Jesus is reminding us we must operate out of a place of grace because we've been shown grace. That's what he wants us to know. Authentic followers of Jesus who have received the mercy of God, they will exhibit mercy toward others, not judgment. Why? Because authentic followers of Jesus know they have received forgiveness, so they should display forgiveness too. Paul, a New Testament follower of Jesus, he writes about this in a letter that that he composes to believers in Rome. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant God? Of another. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. And then Paul applies the same truth to himself when he writes believers in Corinth, where he says, It is the Lord who judges me. Paul's writing to these believers. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Who will bring the light, the things now hidden in darkness, and who will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation before God. So the point Paul is making to reinforce what Jesus is teaching is that people are not God. We are not God. We are made in his image. We are not God. And that's what Paul is trying to point out. Basically, no human being is qualified to judge another human because in the end, we can't read each other's hearts and motives. We really don't know each other's hearts and motives. No matter what we perceive, we really don't know. Scripture actually says, we don't even know our own hearts. So how are we supposed to know the hearts of others? We're not to judge because we, no matter who we are, we actually all sit among the judged. We're all in the same seat this morning. There is one judge. We're not him. So the next time someone does something that bothers you, like this afternoon, Somebody's going to do something that bothers you. (laughs) Instead of judging them, display grace. In relationships, here's what I would recommend. It's always a good idea to check assumptions. You can ask when you said or, or did this, what did you mean by that? I would say checking assumptions instead of casting judgment on others. Man, does that go a long way in helping us to have good relationships with others. That we live as authentic followers of Jesus by displaying grace toward others. And then we live as authentic followers of Jesus by dealing with our evil hearts. Man, we live as authentic followers if we allow God to search our hearts. Because after Jesus encourages people to not judge others, here's what he instructs. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a log in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. So instead of judging others, Jesus encourages us to examine our hearts. You see, there is this battle that rages in the life of every believer. Uh, Jerry Bridges in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, he does a great job of detailing this. And what he explains is that we're all born with what we call a sinful nature and the good news. So when we talk about the good news of Jesus, so we're all born this way, but the good news is Jesus came and broke the power that sin had over our lives. So that's the good news that we get to proclaim. But guess what? Our sin nature's still there on some level. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter seven when he says, when I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Not a crazy verse, but let's be honest, it's true. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Our evil nature, it's hostile toward God and struggles to submit to his life-giving expectations. So if you've ever felt like you're in a struggle, it's real. Now, thankfully, the Holy Spirit empowers us. So we're we're no longer bound by that power of sin. Jesus broke it. That's the good news part. But we still have to struggle with it. In other words, our evil nature, it opposes our every effort to do good and follow God. It's an opposition. It blinds us to entire areas of evil in our lives. It causes us to only partly deal with evil. Or to think that that mental assent to the word of God, is the same as obedience. Like we would say, well, I know I'm to love my neighbor. Great. You know it, but what are you doing about it? That's the difference. Because what we would think, as long as I know it, I'm good. No, once we start doing it. Because here's the thing, transformation occurs in the doing. It really does. And God is after transformation in our lives. He wants to change us. So knowing that evil occupies our deceitful hearts, it should cause us daily, and I mean daily, to go to God. Every day, it's vital that we ask God to search our hearts for the evil that we cannot or will not see. This is David's prayer when he prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, one of the primary ways of searching our hearts is through his word. We read it under the power of the Holy Spirit and then we seek to come in alignment with it. That's part of the way that we can overcome our deceitful hearts. See, God leads us toward life. But here's the problem. Our deceitful hearts then want to lead us toward death. Isn't that crazy? I'm so glad that God wants to lead us toward life though. This is one of the reasons that we encourage people to abide daily, to spend time in scripture and in prayer because we want God to contend for our hearts every day. Now, I want to be clear here. You cannot deal with your heart. You can't do it on your own. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to allow God to search out and kind of like seek and destroy that which is there which would harm you, right? That's what we've got to do. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate areas in our life that need dealt with, and we partner with him so that God can deal with it. And I want to share the good news of what Paul writes in regards to all this. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 6. Since we have been united with him in his death, united with Jesus in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. This is the gospel. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this, because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control your way, in the way that you live. Do not give in to its sinful desires. So Paul is helping us see, I want to do good, but evil is there with me, but we've got to choose what God wants, right? Daily, but he gives us the power to do it. We can't do it on our own, but he gives us the power to do it. And he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life, So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Jesus sets us free. But you know what? We need to go to God daily to experience that freedom. It's not a one and done. It's an everyday. And here's the thing. Once we have dealt with our own evil hearts, then we have the ability to more rightly and lovingly help others deal with theirs as well. Hear me on that this morning? Once we deal with our own evil hearts, then we can approach others. Because Jesus says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So it's not that we don't talk with others about issues that they might have in their lives, it's just that we don't do it before we have first dealt with our own depravity. Are we understanding this this morning? This is really important because what you'll find is is if we've seen the depths of our own evil nature, you'll likely show show a lot more grace for what others are dealing with in their own lives. So there's a right way that we go about this. So it's not that we don't encourage people to live rightly. It's just that we have to first deal with our own hearts. There's a way to go about it. And this is important because some of you may have been wondering, during the first point, if we're to never judge and to simply let other believers do whatever they want with their lives? And the answer to that is, of course not. We get to hold each other accountable to love and good works, scripture says. Scripture is very clear on this. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, we're to go and talk directly with those who have sinned against us. James, the brother of Jesus, he says, if a person wanders from the truth, we're to bring them back. The writer of Hebrews, he's the one that encourages us to motivate one another to love and good works. So we encourage one another to live according to God's design, but we can't do that rightly if we first haven't judged our own hearts honestly. So there's a way that we do it. So Jesus' command to not judge is not a requirement to be blind, it's simply to be generous. Do you understand this morning? This is really important. It's not that we're blind in the way that other believers are living. It's just that we're generous because we understand we fall short too. Jesus doesn't tell us to stop living as brothers and sisters with one another. But we're to lovingly encourage people to live according to God's design. Here's what God wants. He simply wants us to renounce our ambition to be God. That's what he ultimately wants. He wants us to renounce our ambition to be God. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Find time this week to sit before God and pray like David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. We wanna take some time at the end of this message this morning to do that even here. Because once you've honestly dealt with your own spiritual condition, it's likely you'll much more humbly and gently have the ability to approach others who need help too. We live as authentic followers of Jesus by dealing with our own hearts and lovingly encouraging others to deal with theirs too. And then we live as authentic followers of Jesus through discernment. We live as authentic followers of Jesus through discernment. So there's this real interesting verse that follows this section of scripture on judging others where it says, do not give dogs what is holy? Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So when we look at this verse, we have to consider it in the context of these other verses we've talked about this morning. So this verse then is how we are to deal with other believers. Specifically, we are not to judge, but to first deal honestly with our own hearts. This is step one. And then once we've done this, once we deal with our own hearts, then we can humbly and gently approach others to motivate them toward love and good works. This is step two. One is, deal with my heart. Two, now I can approach others. But here's the thing, in the second step of this process, it's important that we're discerning who it is we approach and with what content we choose to approach them with. And here's what I mean by that. After we have dealt with our own hearts, If we approach others who have also dealt with their own hearts, their own evil nature, it's likely we'll wind up with some positive results, that people holding one another to love and good works. But if, however, we approach individuals who have not dealt with their own evil hearts, if you attempt to encourage them toward love and good works, watch out, you might get attacked. That's what this verse is basically saying. We've got to be discerning. And I would say this, if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, I bet you've had some of those interactions, right? You could probably picture some of those, but this is what Jesus is talking about. So my encouragement is this, if you have this interaction with another believer and it goes south, you got to first of all determine, was my heart right or is I just being judgmental? We've always got to start with our own hearts. And then if you know that you were humble and gentle, you dealt with your own hearts, your heart was good then what I would encourage you, if you wind up attacked, what's the scripture say? Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who don't treat you well. And here's what you pray. You pray that God reveals himself to those individuals in increasing ways. Here's my biggest encouragement for you this morning. Let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting in people's lives. Let him do it. You are not, I will say this, I have never ever won someone to the kingdom through argument. That has never worked. So I've given up trying that. If the interaction doesn't go well, I know I can pray for that person. And what's really cool then is you will watch the Holy Spirit change that person's heart. He will do it. He will do it. So allow God to do the heavy lifting. This is what it means that you don't cast pearls before those who are not receptive to hear. Instead, be discerning. And I would say an important theme in this whole passage I would say it's, it's this one thing deal with your hearts. Deal with your hearts. So a couple of questions for you this morning. Do you come on a Sunday morning to sing, to give, to pray, and to learn how to apply God's word to your life? Is your heart open to that? That's, that's wonderful because it means you're allowing God to search your heart. Are you then taking time every day going before the Lord in scripture or in praying and actually asking the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Where's my heart at today? Or if you're doing that, that's wonderful that every day you're trying to walk with a humble heart. But I would also say, if your pattern is you show up on a Sunday and you're just kind of watching what's going on, you're, you're really not participating, but just kind of here in body but not really in soul, then you're not really allowing God to search your heart. You're not allowing that to happen. If in the end, during your week, you're, you're barely <clears throat> or never opening your Bible, you're barely or never singing songs that glorify God, if you're, if you're barely or never spending time in prayer, then this verse would say, you're probably a dog or a pig. Congratulations. And it's not a word from the Lord. I'm just saying that's what Scripture's saying. Because it's saying your heart's not ready to receive what is holy and what are pearls, right? Because we all have to honestly contend with our hearts. So here's my encouragement for you this morning. Don't be a dog. Don't do it. If you've not dealt with your heart issues, cry out to God today. Search me. Test me. Point out anything that offends you. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform your heart. And you will know when this has occurred. Here's the test. You'll know this has occurred when somebody approaches you to say, you know what, I'm seeing this in your life. Talk to me about that. And if you can receive that, instead of biting their head off, maybe the Lord's worked in your heart, right? Instead of cry out to God. I love this in Romans chapter seven. Here's what Paul says. Oh, what a miserable person I am. You can honestly go before God because in the end you say, well, man, pastor, that's kind of like gloomy. But here's the thing. If you know that you're a son or daughter of the king, you can be honest about everything else. You don't have to be searching for any other identity than that of being a son or daughter of King Jesus. So then you can honestly cry out because when I want to do good, evil is there with me so I can cry out, oh, miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have that answer. So hear me today. I want you to hear this today. We do not need to be afraid to go before God asking him to search our hearts because he already knows what's there. The opportunity is not for God to know. It's for us to be revealed so he can liberate us. That's the joy this morning. And that's how I want us to be able to end today, that we can cry out, search me, God. Not because you don't know what's there, but so you can reveal to me, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, remove it, so I can experience freedom this morning. So I encourage you, cry out to God today. Cry out to God as we end in song. The music team's gonna come, and they're gonna close us in song, with an invitation to turn your seat into an altar, to turn these stairs into an altar, I think it's a good starting point. You know, here at Connection Point Church, we run on an academic calendar. So this, for me, is like week one. You know a good place to start? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That we cry out to God to say, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And I would say this, you don't need to be embarrassed or shamed this morning, because you know what? You're in a room full of forgiven people, not perfect people. And so we all can go before God with open hearts to say, oh God, search my heart. May I be the first this morning to be at the altar to say, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. It's Jesus Christ our Lord. It's my encouragement. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna close in song. Shelley's gonna come and continue to give invitation. But even now, as the music team begins to play, I encourage you, if you want to step out from your your seat and use these stairs for the purpose of altar, do that. If you want to turn right where you're at and turn your chair into an altar, do that. But what I want us to do this morning is, you know what I think God is ready for? A church that really wants to be the church, which starts with a church that has a heart hungry for God, that's honest to say, oh, wretched man that I am. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, who sets me free. So let's go to God today. Let's start this new year. I know we've got students here from Purdue, maybe for the first time. Let's start this new year on our faces before God to say, God, pour out your spirit here. I really think God's ready to pour out his spirit upon the church that's honest enough to say, God, we need you. God, we need you. And I think God wants to pour out his spirit because our world is troubled. It's a bit in chaos, you know? So I, I kind of go back to Jesus and politics and Jesus in and end times, and I think it's funny. I think it's funny because God's so on the throne, Jesus is there, I'm secure in him. But I would say this, if you don't know Jesus, you probably should be concerned. But if you know Jesus, we're good. But I really believe God wants to pour out his spirit on churches across this country for the purpose of bringing hope and life and joy into the people of the United States of America. Because I can tell you, it's not there right now. And it's not gonna come through any other endeavor. Social, political, nothing, but his church. So Shelly's gonna invite us to come. I told Shelly, you come invite because I wanna be the first. Let's come to the altar today.
1: If the Lord is already prompting you that you think this area up front is a sacred space, you should be walking, come on down, right? This isn't a scary place up here. This simply represents that God is in a place where he wants to meet with you. And sometimes we kind of need to start pushing some things out of our way because we may have barriers between ourselves and the presence of the Lord. And there is not a barrier. And so we want you to come. We want you to step out. We want you to take a step. Or if you're more comfortable to just turn around, kneel down, make your chair a place of prayer, do that. We'll call that the baby step. But this is a place, right, where we wanna say, God, we want to encounter you. Because as we step out, our brain automatically switches to what's next, right? So in this space, in the next few minutes, can we be a church of prayer? The scripture came to my mind, if we will humble ourselves and pray. I'm not going into the next part of that because I don't want our minds to start going into the, and then God will, and then God will, and then God will. We need to do the first step. We need to humble ourselves and pray. So find a spot to pray. Lift your hands to pray. You're welcome to come forward to pray. But in the next few minutes, we want God to know we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to pray. Worship team, come lead us in song.